morning. Welcome to Bridgewater Vestal. My name is Brett. I'm, oh, I'm supposed to take this off because it shines in people's eyes, apparently. Somebody told me that a couple weeks ago, and I didn't know that. They said it blinds us because it hits the light. Um, my name is Brett, and uh, I'll put it back on later. I'm one of the pastors at Bridgewater. It's good to be here this morning, starting a brand new series called Open House. And I, I guess I want to start with this. Have, have you ever felt like you wear a dozen hats? You know, you, you, you have the mom hat on, and then you put the spouse hat on, and then you, you put the work hat on, and then you put the neighbor hat on, and then your kids have a fight, you put the counseling hat on, um, you maybe need to pay the bills, you put the financial hat on, some people put that on, some people give that to somebody else to put on, but somebody has to have the financial hat. You just have all these hats, and you know, you come to church and you put your greeter's hat on, or your kid's ministry hat on, we wear a lot of hats. It just uh, seems like dozens of hats sometimes. Wouldn't it be great if we only had one job, just one, that we could focus all of our energy, like we could just be really, really, really good at one thing. These, these people here, I brought some slides, these people had one job. This guy's job was to make an exit sign. See how that went. Uh, this, this person's job was to make a counting book for your children so that you could count six bananas and then think it was five. They only had one job to do. How about this one? This person wanted to make sure everybody knew that they needed to keep clear and the best way they could think of was to do this. And I can see the boss saying, you had one job. How could you mess that up? Keep clear. Like, but we did. I did. I wrote it. I... All right, how about this one? The banana sign guy. <laughs> they're, they're really just long yellow things. <laughs> really? You couldn't think of the word? Like, you couldn't ask a coworker? I'm just, it's slipping my mind. I'm having a senior moment. What are those long yellow things called? Bananas. Oh, that's right. All right. How about this one here? <laughs> Time to go to Shakul. <laughs> they had one job. Yeah, I went to a school that probably did that. Um, or, or this one here. This is, this is my favorite. On the road to success, there are no shortcuts. And the poor man drove his truck... <laughs> into a bridge that was too short. <laughs> you should have taken the long way. You, you took a shortcut. One job. They just had one job to do. And yet, I think, boy, in my life, wouldn't it be great if we just had one job to do? Well, the church has one job. One job. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. One job to do. We're beginning a series called Open House. And through this series, we want to talk about why Bridgewater does what we do, biblically. 
Bridgewater, we, we do almost everything we do, we do intentionally, on purpose. And there is a why behind the what and the how. And so we want to pull the curtain back because we realize that we come from a bunch of different churches or no church, and there's a lot we don't know why. My wife, Nicole, comes out of the Russian Orthodox Church. Very different from Bridgewater. A lot of difference. Um, I, I grew up in a Baptist pastor's home, and the church that my dad was a pastor at was very different from Bridgewater. Uh, we, we, yeah, the two would not meet. Um, what just happened up here with music wouldn't have happened at the church we were at. Um, but why? What, what does God say about what a church should be? And so we're going to go to Matthew chapter 28. So if you have your Bibles, Matthew 28, this is at the end of Jesus' life. Jesus shares a couple things with his, his disciples, with his followers. And here's how I think about it. I, I think that the things that we say at the very, very end of our life are probably pretty important. Like if, if you knew you had five minutes left with your loved ones, the chances of me talking about the baseball game last night, which the Red Sox did win 16-2, to two, but who's counting, um, that, that, that I probably wouldn't be talking about scores in those last five minutes. What I would talk about is probably the things that are most important to me. And I would say the same about Jesus. So what he shares in Matthew 28 with his followers, the very last thing he shares before he ascends up to heaven, it's pretty important. And he gives us marching orders in his last five minutes. I don't really know if it was five minutes, but in his last time. So Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20, here's what it says. We're going to read them, and then we're going to unpack them a little bit. So Matthew 28, verse 18, it says, Then Jesus came to them, and he said to his disciples, his followers, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, sometimes I dream about these things. Boy, if I could do anything and not succeed, and succeed, if I could do anything and not fail, what would I do? I have some, some huge ideas. One of them is I would, love to, I would love to start putting a chain of, of uh, health, fitness, spas, and gyms at rest stops, at truck stops, along the main corridors of uh, interstates, and then go to the businesses and say, you need to have memberships for all of your truck driver employees because it will lower your health insurance premiums with health. Anyway, it's an idea, okay? The problem is it's probably a $200 million idea and not a $200 idea. So it's never gotten off the ground. It's just been in my head. But what if we knew we would not fail? Guaranteed. You just take a flyer. You just want a singing career. Go for it. I think I'm going to write a book. Awesome. You do it. I'm going to start that business that I've all, yeah, guarantee. Well, it's not. Humanly, we have the possibility, sometimes a great possibility, that we'll fail. But Jesus could do 
anything. Anything. In fact, he kicks off this, this whole passage by saying, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given me. In other words, Jesus was saying, I can do anything. Just so you know, you want the dead raised? <laughs> I can raise all of them. Oh. He could do anything. You, you, let's, okay, I'll start a business, Jesus says, and we're just going to cure all disease. Okay? All authority has been given you. You could do it. We're going to start an army and we're going to overthrow the Roman Empire. Jesus could have done it. Just could have. But he doesn't do those things. He, he didn't start a feeding program for everybody who was hungry. He started the church. Well, that's weird. Why choose that? Let's talk about the church, what the church is. What the church isn't. The church isn't in Montrose, headquartered in Montrose, or headquartered in Vestal, or even headquartered in Rome. The church is not a building, not a cathedral, not a fancy structure. The church, the Bible says, is people. Followers of Jesus. We are the church. People gathered together, that's the church. In fact, Ephesians 5 says Jesus died for the church. We are the church. He died for us. It also says Jesus is the bridegroom of the church. The church is his bride. So he loves the church. And he gives instructions to followers of Jesus, to us, to the church, right before he goes to heaven. Here's what he says. Or let me just say, I guess, what Jesus just wants us to do one thing. Make disciples. That's it. Jesus said, look at verse 18, Therefore, make disciples of all nations. Make disciples of all nations. Jesus is about ready to raise up to heaven. The first thing he said, the last thing he says is, Hey, followers of me, the church, make disciples. Well, and I think about that. I think, okay, does that mean I have to get in a robe and sandals, grow my hair long? I can't do that. Um, believe me, I wish I could, but I can't. Um, doesn't grow. What, make disciples. What's a disciple? Well, a disciple is just a follower. So if somebody wanted to be if I wanted to be somebody's disciple, I would watch what they do and I would do what they do. And I would listen to what they say. My son, 16-year-old son, is uh, now working for an electrician. Okay, he is a disciple. He is watching what Kevin does and he's trying to do what Kevin does. And when Kevin says the black wires go on this, he puts the black wires on there. When Kevin says the neutral goes right here, he puts it right there. When Kevin says we need a trench right here and we're going to bury the conduit, he does it. Okay, he's a disciple. He watches, he listens, and he does whatever his teacher, whatever Kevin says. 
Well, Jesus says, make disciples of all nations. In this passage, there's only one verb, and then there's three participles. The one verb is what we should do. We should make disciples. And then he gives three ways to do that. And this is where we're going to get into what Bridgewater does and why. Because we take those three things he says to do, and we say, okay, we need to do those as a ministry. They drive what we do. So let's look at them. So make disciples. To make disciples, you must, the first one is go. To make disciples, we must go. Because, verse 19 says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Apparently, Jesus was saying to his followers right there, okay, you want to make disciples? You're not going to do it right here. Peter, no, no, don't make a disciple of John. Go. James, I know you're excited. That's great. But Andrew, yeah, no, go. Go make disciples. Go. And that's why Bridgewater, as a ministry, we go into other communities. That's why we look at communities and we look at elementary schools, actually, and say, if a, if a community has an elementary school, they probably need a church that is salt and light to the community. They probably need Jesus in that community. The, the why behind that is because Jesus said to go. That's why we do teacher gifts, teacher appreciation gifts every year. And we go into the public schools and we give these teacher bags to every teacher with a note from Bridgewater that says, thank you so much for what you do. That's why we have Meet the Neighborhood Day. And we have a picnic out here a couple weeks ago because we were told to go by Jesus. It's why we do foster care. It's why in October we're going to skip church for one Sunday morning, and we're just going to serve the community. And we're going to wear these shirts that are really ugly orange, and they say, don't just go to church, be the church. Because we know that we need to go. Bridgewater really, really wants to go. As a ministry, we don't want to be a sit here. We want to go. That's, that's why my wife teaches in the public school. Uh, our final child, Jesse, um, headed off to school a few years ago, four years ago, and my wife Nicole and I sat down and we talked about it. Um, what am I going to do? I've been home for 20 years. Now what? And what we decided was, let's not choose a job for money. Let's choose a job for the most impact for Jesus. And so we decided the largest impact we could have for Jesus is if Nicole was in the public school system rubbing shoulders with a bunch of people who are far from God every single day. And so that's what she does. Um, that, that's why we send our kids to the public school. Um, we began that years and years ago, but we wanted to have an impact. We wanted to go. So we did. Now, I'm not saying that's right or wrong for everybody else. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying for us personally, that was what drove 
our decision. In fact, I was pastoring at a church that had a Christian school. And I went to the principal, who was my friend, and I said, just so you know, Avonlea's going to go to the public school this year. And he was not happy with me, and we had a discussion. But we were better friends than we were <laughs> arguers. Um, but I said, you have equipped her. I'm so happy. Thank you. Keep equipping my other children. But Avonlea's a missionary, and she's going to go. That comes from Matthew 28, to go. And at Bridgewater... We see Jesus' plan is for us to go. Followers of Jesus to make disciples. And the first thing we need to do is go. It it gets bigger than that. It's actually why Bridgewater launches other campuses. Um, Launching other campuses is expensive and hard. It's it's not, woohoo, it's not great fun. But we were sitting in Montrose and we were too full and we had three services and we knew we had to start a fourth service. And Pastor Bob and I, he's the campus pastor in Montrose, we were talking about what to do. And we knew we had to start a fourth service. We already had an 8 o'clock, a 9.30, and an 11. <clears throat> the facility was small. And so we said, okay, let's, let's think about this. We can do a 6 o'clock at night service, number four. We can do a 12.30 in the afternoon service. We can do a Saturday night service. Or we can figure out where a bunch of our people are coming from and we can go to their community. And so in 2011, September of 2011, we sent some people down the road. We sent 50 people to Halstead in 2011. Called them pioneers. (laughs) And away they went down to Halstead because we wanted to go. In 2013 we sent 25 more people to South Vestal to go. In 2014, 75 people were sent from Halstead campus to Conklin. Now, wait a second. If we only sent 50 in 2011, how could Halstead then send 75 to Conklin three years later? Well, this graph will show you. You see, the people we sent made disciples. So Halstead, we sent 50 in 2011. There were 475 people in Halstead just a couple months ago at Easter. Isn't that crazy? We sent 25 people to South Vestal. There were 317 of us here Easter Sunday. This year, just a couple months ago. Halstead sent 75 people to Conklin. There were 446 people there in Conklin this last Easter. Like, it is crazy. Well, it's not a Bridgewater thing. It's a God. Like, God says go. Is it more comfortable to stay? Yeah. It's hard work to go. Um, Tunkanic, 2016, Easter, 2016. We sent 80 people down to Tunkanic. There was no church there. There was a building. They called me and said, hey, we're, we voted 22 to 0. We shut down the church. First Baptist of Tunkhannock. Would you like the building? This was in 2014. And I said, okay. So we took the building and sat on it. Didn't have any plans to use it. And then in 2016, Rich Clark and, and 80 people headed to Tunkhannock. Well, 
Tunkhannock had 300 people. They had 240 people last Sunday in Tunkhannock. 300 people at Easter. They have seen 93 people accept Christ as their personal Savior since they launched in 2016. 58 baptisms. Why? Because we went. Because Jesus said to go. It's not, not a Bridgewater plan necessarily. It's a Jesus plan. And if Jesus said go, we probably should. Um, it, it's insane. We, we made, a, made a decision years ago about building sizes and what we were going to build. Actually, we were trying to raise money in Montrose for a big building because we had too many people and too few seats. We actually had eight parking spots at the Montrose building and we were running about 440 people. So you do the math. They didn't fit. And we were talking about building something and we couldn't raise the money. We tried and tried and tried. We could not raise enough money. And then decided, you know, if we build small, it will force us to always go to other communities. And we went to a builder and talked to him, and he said, why aren't you going to build a 1,000-seat auditorium? And we said, because if we only build a 350-seat auditorium, it will force us to go. See, at Bridgewater, we don't want people driving 30 minutes to church. We want to go to their community. Because I know that if I invite my neighbor to come 30 minutes to church and they're far from God, they're not going to. But if we bring a Bridgewater to them and I only have to bring them five minutes, higher likelihood that they'll come to church. So Jesus understands that. He says, go. Go. I want you to make disciples. Okay, number one, go. There's a second thing that Jesus says here in verse uh, 19. To make disciples, not only do we have to go, but we have to baptize. And, and he continues, says, go and uh, therefore go and make disciples of every nation. But then he goes on, he says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Now, baptism would be the outward step of an inward change. And we got to see this last week. I see Karen over here, but I'm not going to point her out because I don't want to embarrass her. But I see Karen over here and... Uh, Still not going to embarrass her. Um, but she and Dave, right up here last week, got baptized. And it was awesome. What a wonderful, cool thing. I mean, it was really, really neat. That was an outward expression of somebody who said, I have made a decision to follow Jesus. I am a disciple, and I want everybody to know that I'm following Jesus. Well, that's what Jesus told Bridgewater to do. He told Bridgewater to go and he said, baptize. Baptize. So at Bridgewater, we love baptizing people. Now the pandemic has been a tough season and it's been tough for everyone, not just Bridgewater. But, but during this season, sometimes when we didn't even meet, like we had three months where we didn't even have church. But somehow, God continued to work in people's lives. And I pulled up some statistics. And it, since COVID, so this is the COVID life, we have seen God save 98 people. 
We've had 78 baptisms during COVID. Well, why? Because Bridgewater has a great plan? No. Because Jesus doesn't fail at what he says to do. Like, he has all authority has been given me. And he said, I want you to make disciples. Okay, I want you to go. I want you to baptize. And, and oh, by the way, this is, this is a Jesus thing, like the church. He is pro-church. It's his only plan. We are his only plan. As we make disciples, we get to see baptisms. We get to see carnations. Actually, there's more of those coming next week, but it came in after the deadline, so it doesn't get celebrated until next week. But um, that's because we're obeying what Jesus said to do. And there are plenty of churches that are the best-kept secrets in town. We don't want to be that. We, we don't want to be that. We don't have any desire to be the best-kept secret in town. We want to be known. We love Jesus. We want everybody to know. This is a place they would be welcome. Long hair, great. Tattoos, great. Piercings, great. No hair, even better. We, rich, poor, black, white, doesn't matter. We want you to know that we will love you. We are the body of Christ. We are the church. And all are welcome. You got hurts and hang-ups? Awesome. Come on in. Because so do we. We're just a bunch of broken people at different places in our journey. And that's who we are, and that's where we're at. And we're Bridgewater. We want to make more and better disciples. So we got to go. we got to baptize. Verse 20, he goes on, he says, and not only baptizing them, but teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So to make disciples... We've got to go to make disciples. We've got to baptize. And to make disciples, you must teach them to obey. And this is, this is a tricky one because it's not just teach them information. Bridgewater preaches the way we preach because of this passage. We preach for life change. We preach so that I will feel bad every week and I will want to obey what God said. I want to live differently because I just heard what God said in the Bible. Not, I will know more information. I know so much Bible information that I already don't put into practice. It's sad. I don't need more information. I need life change. And, and Jesus, I think, understood that. And he said teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Not teaching them to know everything I've commanded you, no, but teaching them to obey it. There's a difference. Here's what uh, Matthew, in Matthew 7, it says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the wind blew, and beat against the house, yet it did not fall, because it had a foundation on the rock. 
But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the wind blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. So Matthew 7, Jesus was saying, yeah, you hear what I say and don't do anything about it? You missed it. You missed it. Here's what James says about the same thing. Do not merely listen to the word, to the Bible. Do, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the Bible, to the word, and does not do what it says is like a, someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. So, Bridgewater, we would say, let's preach for life change. Let's not preach for information. I just, I just had a friend at my house yesterday. Maybe it was Friday. He's a pastor in Michigan. And he said, um, I said, you know, how are you guys doing, whatever, whatever, whatever. And he said, you know, I sometimes feel like we're, when we preach, I think we just want people to leave confused. And the people who leave confused think we went deep. And he said, I wish... He said, so when I preach, I try, to, I try to explain stuff, and I just want them to leave and say, I understand what you were saying. Whether they obey it or not, that's up to them, but at least they understand what I was saying. And I thought, yeah, I, I'm not opposed to being a deep church if deep means deep obedience. I'm great with that. But just to... Be deep for deep sake doesn't sound like what Jesus was saying. Jesus was saying, whatever you teach, teach for life change. I want obedience, I think he was saying. I want your lives to look different based on what you heard. So if I say this Greek word, da-da-da-da, means make disciples, and there's three participles, and here they are, and we graph, and we, you know, it's in the aorist tense, and so it's a continuing action, and you'd be like, wah, 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 who cares? I need to live for Jesus. Okay. So Jesus says, make more and better disciples. He says, go. <laughs> Have you walked across the street lately? Have you had a conversation at work lately about Jesus? Whom is it that God has put in your life that he is asking you to go and have a conversation with? Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's somebody you know on Facebook. Maybe it's a Facebook friend. I don't know. I just... Uh, Jesus saying go is why I'm a football coach, quite honestly. Uh, we encourage all of our pastors to coach sports. Get in the community. Actually, Pastor Bob, he coaches uh, soccer. Pastor Josh, he coaches baseball. I'm coaching Montrose Junior Football right now. Um, and Thursday night we had a practice, and one of the other coaches 
um, in one of the drills, he said, hey, my son, my son was uh, up to our bedroom and he, he had some questions about life and death. And he's really worried about dying. And he said, we saw a motorcycle accident uh, on the way home from practice and I think it scared him. And I said, well, what did you say to him? He said, well, I remember some of the Bible that back when I was in Sunday school, but I don't really know what to tell them. What an opportunity. You know what? If I'm in my office studying theological books, I never have that conversation. But, but if I read the Bible and it says to go, and I go, what an opportunity. There's a guy sitting in here right now that came to Bridgewater because my son gave him an invitation. He's sitting right here with his wife. My son was probably six, maybe, and we were having a special thing at church, and he gave all the coaches an invitation to come to Bridgewater. He didn't know he was supposed to go. He just did it. Well, what's our excuse? Jesus says, go. My dream is that, man, wouldn't it be great? Let's say 2025, we're sitting here with a full room and multiple services wondering how in the world we're going to fit people. And Tina's pulling out her hair because we've got 90 kids in the basement. And, and we say, wow, glory to God. Look what happened when we decided to follow Matthew 28. And it's surely a good thing that we sent a couple hundred people to Tioga because we'd even be in more trouble. It's a good thing we sent a couple hundred people to Appalachian. It's a good thing we sent a couple hundred people to Whitney Point or we'd really be in trouble. It'd be amazing, wouldn't it? Our Montrose campus gets to say that because our Montrose campus grew to 550 people and then sent 50 people and then sent 25 people and then sent 80 people, and they're ready to send again. And they just keep going, and they just keep going, and they just keep going. You see, if I said, if I said uh, wouldn't it be great if we had 1,000 people, which is a big, big church, we'd be like, nah, big churches mean bigger problems. But if I said, wouldn't it be great if that person that you know that is far from Jesus was sitting right beside you right now? Oh. Yes, it would be great. Okay, well, that's what Bridgewater's about. We're not about a cool band. We're glad we have one. We're not about a huge church. Glory to God, he keeps blessing. We want to be about more and better disciples. And that means we need to go. That means we need to baptize. And it means we need to teach for obedience. Where is your peace this week in that? Which one of those this week resonates with you? Let's, let's pray. Father, I, I want to thank you so much for your church. And I, I want to thank you for what you've done in the lives of people. Um, God, I... I I know that it is not because we have 
the greatest communicators. I know that it's not because we have the greatest leaders. I know it's not because we have all the frills or, or everything that somebody would think you need. I, I know that's not it. And I firmly believe that the reason you're blessing Bridgewater is because your hand of blessing is on it. And, and it's all you, and we give you praise for that. God, there's, there is no reason why these little, little campuses should, should thrive except that you are doing something way bigger than us. So thank you. Thank you for the flower we could celebrate from Halstead this morning. Thank you for the two baptisms we could celebrate yesterday or last week and the multiple baptisms at other campuses that happened the same day. I thank you for the 93 souls you saved in Tunkhannock in the last four years. God, thank you for the lives you've changed here in Vessel. And I, I'm just looking forward to what you're going to do, God. Um, help us to... I, I, God, I guess I don't care if... if people are all in about Bridgewater. I really just want them all in about you. And then help us at Bridgewater to be very faithful to what you say. Help us to go. Help us to baptize and help us to teach for life change. And, and help us to remember that there's still a lot more and a lot more better disciples and we have not arrived. There's people heading to hell across the street Help us to hurt for them. In Jesus' name, amen.